Welcome back to Probably About Politics, an episode of We Explain, instead of doing a live election because there are no elections going on in the world. Yes, uh, not many anyway. Yeah, so we're back with landmark legislation, and once again, it's not one piece of legislation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, that, uh, well, yeah, it's all sort of bundled together, and it's not even, is it like even legislation so much as like a historical period of time? Welcome back to Probably What Politics Explains the 20th Century in North America, but more <laughs> more specifically, uh, the impact of 1920 and 1930 on the economics and uh, political environment of the late 1930s into the 1940s and how that continues to <laughs> affect us today. Uh, yeah, and like maybe in short... Uh... Uh, the New Deal in the United States of America um, oh. as a result of the Great Depression, if you're familiar with the buzzwords. That is pretty good terminology that you just came up with, Kaylee. I'm sure that historians oh, yeah. will start using that instead of the more common phrase that I used. <laughs> uh, as I, ha- I, I'm kind of more old school. I use the, mm-hmm. the terms that are yeah. in all the textbooks. But you have you have experience on the street, what with yeah. knowing who Vladimir Putin is personally. And also yeah. members of parliament of many uh, democracies around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I I do not. I will refuse to confirm or deny whether that is true. It's true. But uh, yeah. So okay, we have a number of things to discuss. Mm-hmm. That includes what the New Deal was, mm-hmm. why why it was the answer that was used to respond to the thing, what the thing was that caused this new deal to be done what was the old deal maybe 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 who did it maybe we everybody says that it was or we tend to historically attribute all of the things that happened during a presidency to the president but also members of congress were involved and generally other people not necessarily the president uh and it lives on in kind of the president's like how we envision that presidency and whether Mm -hmm. or not it was a success. And many people say that the president at the time, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, is Mm -hmm. one of the great presidents. He's he's ranked pretty highly. He's an (laughs) S-tier president. Yeah, I think, and I don't know if, like, we're not necessarily going to contest whether or not he was a a great president uh, necessarily. I think... I'm not sure we're here to contest anything. I'm just willing to, I'm going to, I'm going to spread the facts uh, as best I can, um, hopefully give some context and uh, let 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 the contesting be done by uh, <laughs> university on YouTube. <laughs> oh yeah, we don't endorse uh, university. Uh, to be clear, in fact, uh, that'll probably be beeped out in the episode. So hopefully, none of you <laughs> will go and give them any views. <laughs> so, so let's start with kind of what is set the scene for us kaylee what is the set dressing like in 1932 before the new deal starts what is the united states looking like um yeah things are pretty grim uh we're like two years into the great depression at this point we -hmm. have well like i mean so the GDP has like decreased by about from about one point uh, one hundred and five billion dollars to by nineteen thirty three a year ahead it would be fi- uh, fifty six point four billion dollars. Um, unemployment is skyrocketing, and we haven't seen like Ho- Herbert President Herbert Hoover was in a, who was the president at the time was seen as largely being 
ineffective. He really believed in sort of laissez-faire policies, that the free market could correct itself. What little sort of government intervention he was doing was giving money to private industry to try and get them to correct what was becoming the great the the Great Depression, like a, a the the historical moment that I think most listeners will be largely familiar with, um, that many of us will have grandparents and great grandparents who, uh, you know, like I I remember my grandmother, um, he reused all everything, and and you know you wouldn't hoard <laughs> you, you you hoard <laughs> maybe you have a great an elderly relative who uh, who didn't trust the banks anymore. And that was because um, their banks were not able to pay out uh, pay out their accounts to their clients because they didn't have any money. It caused bank mm-hmm. runs. Hundreds and hundreds of banks were shutting down. And, there, and uh, much of the American population was unemployed. This was, so this episode will be mm-hmm. America focused, but this was global. Like this was happening in Canada. This was happening in Europe. Um, essentially, uh, sort of a, the cyclical nature of, of the U.S. put up uh, major trade barriers. Um, and mm-hmm. then in response, European countries put up trade barriers. So nobody was trading. And it was, you kind of had a situation that was seemed to be only going downward. Which seems bad. This unemployment rate was up because I think people talk about use kind of the unemployment rate and the GDP growth and whatnot when looking back to mm-hmm. see the success of whether or not this worked. And the unemployment yeah. rate to start to peg it at the start of when FDR and others put into place uh, the New Deal is around twenty two percent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not... It would get as high as 25. Yeah. And it's not until the start of World War II, some uh, half decade later, that it falls to like pre-Great pre, uh, Depression levels, back down to, you know, sub 5%, which is effectively no no unemployment. Like it's what we see as like a normal level. Yeah. Th- things were really crazy. And, the, and you would have... You had people living in what they're calling, I think, Hoover camps, basically. Like, people were losing their homes. Um, the, the, this is, and, and we'll get into it, but the New Deal is essentially the first time we ever see anything that really resembles what we would call uh, the government looking after its people. There was no safety net that existed mm-hmm. um, at this point. So... Um, uh, there is sort of a lot of criticism as Hoover is, and 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 rightfully so. Like he didn't do enough, um, but like it didn't that that approach hadn't of like the government intervening didn't exist at all uh, until this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he even started spending money. Like the Hoover Dam was a Great Depression initiative to try and uh, inject some money, but it was it was not nearly enough. I think it was like. Ten million dollars. It, it, it was not enough money to really effectively inc- uh, increase the uh, employment levels and wealth of American citizens that would be required to stimulate the economy again. And I mean, some people may say, "What amount of money is really required to do that? And is that even the right thing to do to improve the well-being of citizens? And should that be the role of government to even do those things?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so. To kind of frame this, I think generally when people are talking about the New Deal, they'll first talk about the the three pillars or the three R's of the New Deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what we were just talking about, the amount of money that's going to be put in, that's relief for the unemployed and poor. Uh, and then 
the second R is recovery of the economy. And then the third is to reform the financial system so that the things that caused the Great Depression uh, wouldn't happen again, which were generally uh, a bunch of uh, leveraging into the market and uh, buying stocks on uh, credit and buying a bunch of stuff on credit uh, and then not being able to pay those things. (laughs) And then also banks themselves um, spending all the money that they had that people had put into the bank buying stocks and bonds in the market. Uh, and then when people come to the bank and say, hey, I want my money, the banks are like, oh, we're not regulated to have to keep any money on hand. So we actually took all mm-hmm. your money and used it to buy things. And now you can't have your money. So that kind of led to these new regulations that require banks to hold a certain amount of money that people have in the bank on hand and stuff. We'll get into that. But those are kind of the things that they want. They want unemployed people to get jobs back. They want the economy to recover to where it was, and they want to fix the financial system so that those things don't happen again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like, so in our context, like from here, it's hard to, and I, like, I think I'm trying to point to it and saying that maybe Hoover didn't have as a president didn't have context for it. Like the institutions in the, in the, in the reform point, that but many of them still exist today mm-hmm. to make sure that there that we have never actually got or the american the country the us has never gone back to the level previous to the great depression because in government institutions um that that i think many sort of people when they're talking about what a, a social safety net is or what a safety net is um generally mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're even referring to getting rid of those. Like these are like just base, um, base institutions that had not previously existed and now are sort of like fundamental. So this is where a, a conversation, like the conversation that they're having about how much, what role government should have is really what's happening at this like moment. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's just a very interesting time where we sort of establish a new base level of what we expect the government to do for us, like the, at the bare minimum for the country of the U S. But I think a lot of these conversations happened in many other countries Mm -hmm. that were experiencing the great depression. We've, we've used this term previously on the show a little bit, um, where the new deal really shifted the Overton window of what is acceptable to bring up in serious policy debate, where previous to this, all of these, um, government organizations that just do super basic things or like extremely base level banking reforms. Um, Mm -hmm. Now they're not even like even the most Republican Republicans. Okay. Let's not go that far, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I really don't want to like paint ourselves a good quarter. I bet somebody could find someone in general now though. (laughs) Like these things aren't even really talked about in a, in serious conversation by reasonable people <laughs> to be thought of to to, yeah. to to get rid of them um what's layered on top of them can be debated and whether or not these were exactly the right way to implement these things sure people talk about it mm-hmm. but the fact that like the government should play a role in uh maintaining uh the employment level of people in the country is mm-hmm. just kind of a thing that happens now yes 
Yeah, and I think there's like, was it, I think it was Eisenhower or somebody said that that no no Republican president or government should even think of touching uh, Social Security. We'll get into like sort of the, the things that we should get into maybe next, the things that were implemented. But Social Security was one of the things that was implemented um, by the New Deal. And he said that you, you, you couldn't dream of as a Republican if you wanted to have a leg to stand on, if you wanted to ever get elected again, of touching uh, Social Security. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was sort of at the time and things haven't changed, but that's still broadly true. Like social security still exists in the U S and I don't think you see many Republicans trying to get rid of that. Yeah. I mean, so, and just briefly, these things didn't get enacted without a lot of fight at the time as well. Right. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're going to talk about termed as court packing (laughs) um, and the, the kind of shift in the Supreme court and how a lot of this stuff was brought to, um, the judiciary and fought of whether or not these things were actually constitutional and whatnot. But yeah, as everything, when we look back, it seems easy, but there was a lot of fight and push for this to happen. Generally, things don't improve just because they always improve. They improve because people try hard to make them better. Mm-hmm. But without uh, further ado, 15 minutes in here, uh, <laughs> can you tell us, Kaylee, maybe like, as you were saying, what were the kind of first main um, social reforms that were put into place. Yeah, so in I think it's called the first hundred days of FDR's presidency, he yeah. he put in um, he passed uh, pushed Congress really hard to pass about fifteen new agencies and laws. Um, sort of the mm-hmm. highlights of that would be like he ended he ended a prohibition, which had been a big part of his campaign and was really important mm-hmm. in that. Well, probably if you've been going through the depression this long, you could use a drink. So that's fair. <laughs> but uh, also it allows you to collect revenues and taxes off of it. Um, so that was mm-hmm. a important money avenue for the government to have resources. The more, uh, they also had the civilian conservation core. Um, it was a program that was made to hire 3 million workers for over over 10 years to conserve public lands mm-hmm. which is a sort of a a pretty common approach i think nowadays in in economic recovery of like public works projects mm-hmm. and then yeah and and then a federal emergency fund to emergency relief uh, act to fund a variety of jobs in agriculture arts the construction and education so and i think like the interesting way to think about this is like they would hire people to build a post office um, who could mm-hmm. build a post office. And then they would also hire artists to paint those post office and make them beautiful so that you could mm-hmm. stimulate uh, and give everybody jobs and and give them uh, income, basically. And not only that, they'd hire then photographers to go take pictures yeah. of people who were painting yeah. <laughs> the post offices that were built and that they paid for. And I think this this period in history of all these things is super well documented, especially for the time. Yeah. Because of all the artists and writers who were making art about it, being paid to make art about themselves almost. Yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of great photographs of all this cool stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, at the same time. And I'm sure like many of the listeners can even think and envision um, these sort of artistic styles that came out of that time period, as well as some mm-hmm. very famous photographs that um, sort of illustrate and capture the moment that they were living in. So it's really um, a, to- a historical period of time that still exists in, in our, in our memory because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then they, he also concentrated uh, some programs on, particular areas that were really uh, most affected. So the Tennessee Valley Authority Act um, gave money 
to Tennessee, which was one of the porn, the Tennessee Valley, because it was one of the poorest areas in the nature, nation, to and gave them a project, uh, a public works project to build there to stimulate the economy specifically there. Mm-hmm. And I guess the most uh, controversial one uh, that came out of that would be the Agricultural Adjustment Act. Uh, it was meant to subsidize, subsidize farmers to get them to reduce their crops because they were producing uh, too much that would f- then flood the market and reduce the cost of the crop. Uh, mm-hmm. dramatically but then also there's still nobody to buy it so it just became it becomes a cycle which was sort of a the the cycle that the whole economy was going in in various areas but like in agriculture it was particularly uh, hard-hitting yes this is everybody talks about the pigs right yeah <laughs> there are all these pigs <laughs> everybody had so many pigs uh i think everyone was like hey we're just gonna give you money just don't sell the pigs like yeah. don't sell them as bacon or pork or anything and this was was i feel like maybe seven or eight years ago now remember when bacon was really big like there's a bunch of events surrounding bacon yeah i feel like there was like i saw like people lamenting this like in a joking way about like how in the great depression and if you look at media made about like explainers made about the new deal yeah from that time period there's all this like oh imagine all the bacon anyway just a weird uh <laughs> remembered fact about like 2010 to 2014 how everybody loved bacon so much <laughs> yeah and it's but yes the pigs <laughs> well and it's like it's an inch it's it's sort of the one that i think reveals a lot of the problems that will kind of some of the problems, not all of them, that we come into mm-hmm. with some of these New Deal policies. The legislation subsidized farmers to reduce their crop, which meant they were just getting rid of it. But there were thousands and millions of Americans who were starving um, and mm-hmm. didn't could not afford food. So it was it was you know for the public it was not great to see these pigs being slaughtered and then not sold to them or or not provided to them. Yeah, not just like redistributed. Yeah, and I think and. Like not to pull us into today, but I think we've seen that again, where you know you, you can't get rid of your products, you have to just throw it out. But then there are still people who aren't getting access to those products and need them. Yeah, I think at this point, those two different public works things mm-hmm. that we're talking about, or these two different acts, is kind of one thing where you give these farmers money, right, mm-hmm. and then it's to make them do less things. Yeah. Um, but then these other works are you give people money so that they can make things that everybody can use Mm -hmm. like irrigation systems Mm -hmm. or bridges or dams or new highway systems or post offices and so when you give money to people to make things that then keep generating money rather than giving money to people so that they don't do something (laughs) there's different outcomes potentially long term as well for that like Mm -hmm. one of those things is the gift that keeps on giving Mm -hmm. potentially who knows if you can't then maintain those highways and post offices that's one thing but if those things kind of spur people now you have you need somebody that can work at the post office mm-hmm. you need somebody who can paint the roads yeah um versus fewer people farming pigs yeah <laughs> there's a, a kind of like on a, on a surface level looking at it you can see that there are two different types of policies at least mm-hmm. and maybe with two different uh levels of effectiveness but also two drastically different cost levels as well associated with yeah and uh yeah so that and that's right and i think so to point out the the second thing that i think uh can get sort of looked over or missed maybe when we look back at the the new deal of the the problems Mm -hmm. that it sort of allowed to continue in society uh one one being this sort of distribution of 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 food and, and goods uh, and then the second being uh, race. Uh, so this mostly helped property owning 
farmers. So and and sharecroppers and and individuals who are working farms and those are those are things who are predominantly uh, individuals of color. So African Americans predominantly uh, were not supported by this and 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 that can sort of be seen throughout throughout a lot of the policies like many of them some of the policies in some ways did help but they was sort of unevenly distributed how it helped and it sort of uh by subsidizing the farmers who own property to not uh keep producing crops or produce they also Sub, uh, essentially subsidize them to not continue to hire uh, farm labor workers who would be predominantly people of color to work their farms. And so then that kind of undercuts their sort of the, the stimulus that we see in hiring everybody to get in and help build the the post office doesn't then translate over to this policy particularly. And now looking back at this, it's I feel like it's difficult to get policies like this right. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not trying to say that there's no malicious intent or whether or not that was a choice made to help certain people and not other people. Yeah. Um, but it is really hard to get these things right. Like we see this even right now with current stimulus packages. Um, it seems like every day the government's coming out saying, oh, okay, so everything that we did previously, we actually ended up leaving this group of people out that we didn't realize. So now we're going to, now if you're a university student and you can't find a job and you graduated after this time and you haven't graduated before this time, then you're allowed to collect this new benefit. And then like, oh, these people didn't, made not enough money to qualify for this, so they can now qualify for this thing. And it seems like even with like the information gathering capabilities of governments now, which are much greater than they were, it's still super hard to get this stuff right. Yeah. And right. yeah, I think so. And this is, yeah, this is it. This was a government that was really, it was pumping out legislation and going really fast. It was also like a historical time where a lot of the uh, protections that would have existed that we're only just starting to be developed. A lot of the uh, social justice progress that would occur in the U.S. had not happened yet, and is you know mm. is yet is yet to come. I think it's it is though important to mention in that it helps us to not look back on it with such rose colored glasses. I guess mm. because there were a lot of issues with it. It is unquestionable, I think, to us now when we look at uh, depressions and situations of economic recession, that the people who are most impacted are always uh, minorities and people of color, mm-hmm. um, and they're easily left behind. And then going back and seeing where that happened in this, I think, is really valuable for everybody to think about when we try and see how we should respond today, I guess. Mm-hmm. And again, like echoing in the current <laughs> small recession yes <laughs> <laughs> is that a lot of a lot of people who now even are exposed to continue working in our frontline workers like in gas stations or construction or cashiers at grocery stores a lot of these uh low paying jobs are disproportionately employ people of color or people who end up getting left behind by these sorts of new deals. Yeah. And like largely right now, we're at the relief portion of it. Um, and when we start mm-hmm. building into the recovery, I think thinking about this, it, thinking about the historical thing, the historical new deal and what happened, we can think about, well, in the recovery, how do we make sure that we keep building back so that everybody everybody experiences the the process of building back and uh, there aren't sort of people who are left out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll get into we'll get into 
new new deals uh, <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but okay, so right now they've put all this money into a number of things, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it helps some people. It doesn't help other people. Does it help long term? Does it actually work? Do do people go back to work? Do they get jobs? Can they feed their families? Are people happy again? <laughs> or are they still depressed? Um, so I guess it's it's about tempering your uh, measurement of success, I guess. Um, like Anytime somebody <laughs> says that, that means no, Kaylee. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, things were... It, this, this was a huge... Uh, a huge depression so it, it was going it took time there was also the challenge of um as we were saying like he did pass all these things in the sort of the first hundred days some of these things got scaled back by the court systems um there was a lot of debate about how far he could go and then he in the second round uh sort of more focused on recovery and reform um many Many more things got put in place that would introduce like labor protections and uh, more infrastructure projects were added. Uh, Social Security, as we were talking about earlier, which is, provides uh, income for elderly, uh, blind and disabled children at, and children in low c- income situations, as well as uh, provides for widows was introduced. So a lot of improvements were made to create more security for people reforms to the banking system were made um but in the course of the 10 years i mean people were still experiencing the greatest economic downturn of the 20th century i mean but things fell dramatically so things things improved gradually <laughs> improved gradually the uh the economy was improving unemployment was improving but as i think you'd said earlier it wouldn't be until world war ii where we saw unemployment uh that reached more regular numbers and again that's world war ii uh the employment was uh mostly uh fighting a war interesting to note fun fact that kaylee mentioned this was over a 10-year period and yes fdr was president the entire time yes because franklin (laughs) delano roosevelt is the only four-term president in the history of the united states yes despite only serving 11 days into his fourth term yes well we have to compromise somehow (laughs) but he did win uh, a record third election um and the constitution was amended after his reign to uh limit to officially limit presidents to two term yeah term limits because previous to that there were many presidents who actually did try to run for a third time or try to seek nomination even from their party a third time but were unsuccessful um and so nowadays we see the current president of the united states talking about how he's going to run for a third term despite uh potentially not even gaining a second term and barack obama has previously said as well <laughs> <laughs> he thought that he could become that he could be president for a third term if he was uh, allowed to run but anyway so yes much of the employment that did happen by the end of this was uh during uh world war ii which what a great spending program wars are <laughs> yeah yeah i mean so like to talk we should to talk about that like it so you see a situation where like yeah things have gradually improved uh the economy grew about 10.8% in 1934 when he first launched it um and then by 1936 it was it grew another 12.9% um and 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 so we were seeing this progress but you saw like a sort of a consistent problem that, uh, or consistent, it was not, 
FDR wouldn't have seen it as a problem, but he, when he ran, he and proposed this new deal. He also proposed a balanced budget. Mm-hmm. And so by 1938, he's saying that he, he sort of cuts back government spending and the economy actually contracts again by about three, three percent. So there was, there was this idea that we we're going to spend all this money, uh, but we're not, we're also going to keep things balanced and in check. Um, so he could never quite spend sort of the amount that uh, this like Keynesian um, economic proposal would say that you should have. Um, he only he only grew the debt by about three billion, and 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 if you consider World War Two, the debt in World War Two the debt grew to like two point three billion dollars. So you can see how the stimulus of World War Two actually ended up being more effective, even though the idea of the New Deal, I think given the appropriate amount of money, and if you are a believer in sort of these Keynesian economic principles, probably could have been just as effective. Yeah. And war spending is uh, especially uh, effective when the war is not fought in your country, mm-hmm. yes. um, where all of your infrastructure is not destroyed at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, the United States came out of that uh, quite a bit better than a lot of continental European countries, especially uh, Germany with all the reparations that they don't have to pay. Yeah. Having to pay. But eventually things did get better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were kind of, it's kind of a sign of the times in that it was a super transitionary period mm-hmm. where he's trying to do these new things. But for one, the courts are against him. Yeah. Um, and there's still a judicial process that you have to go to that are fighting tooth and nail all the time to not change things. Uh, and also uh, you're, if you're doing something for the first time, the only way, the best way to know if policy works is to look at other people who have implemented that policy yeah. and then see what the outcomes were. Uh, and if you're doing it for the first time, it's hard to completely throw away all of the other ways in which you've made decisions previously, which is, okay, we have this much money to spend. How do we spend that money best? And instead go, hey, what if we just spend more money than we have? What will happen then? That's a pretty big step to try to take at the same time as also going through this major shift in legislation and political thinking. Yeah, and also um, sort of something that I, I learned that I, I hadn't thought about previously when I was reading this is like, um, like you also, you might believe that this is going to work, but, and, and, and you, even though you haven't gotten to test it, like you know that this should work, but the people, the American people didn't know that it would work. And there was a lot of fear at the time. I, the, the, the way this was sort of like explained is like, if you think about FDR has this famous quote of saying, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And what he's mm-hmm. trying to instill in the American people with that is that they shouldn't, in, in, in some ways, he's what he's trying to steal is that they shouldn't fear spending the money that the government is giving them. And so mm-hmm. what was happening at the time is the government gave them, they were getting this money, but they were still not spending it for, or trusting it to back to the banks, as we, because we talked mm-hmm. about, you, you know, rightfully you might not. Um, and, and the individual fear of not, uh, uh, and that resulted in not spending that money meant that they couldn't sort of reboot the economy the way that they were hoping to as quickly as they were hoping to. It was always going to be kind of a gradual process of building trust that this could, that, that, that things were stabilized and that they felt security. So a lot of uh, FDR's uh, idea, what a lot of his ideas were, um, and, and the people around him who were building these ideas again not to to reemphasize that many people were involved 
um, mm-hmm. is that liberty meant giving greater security to the average man. So and and giving them enough security to not be afraid to then spend the money to keep the economy going. But it took a maybe perhaps perhaps more than he thought to uh, to uh, overcome that fear. I guess it, it get people to you know people there people were putting money into their walls rather than giving it to the bank. So you can see that things were tricky then. I guess <laughs> was that a quote from somebody else? Liberty meant security yes, for the average man. Okay, it you is. didn't just come up with no, that right now. No, no, <laughs> that's no, too bad. I read it somewhere else <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> Um, but it, yeah, it was, you have to change the expectations of, of a whole citizenry that previously had not had any expectation that the government would not allow them to completely fall into poverty and destitute. Now, I don't have the answer to this mm-hmm. and I feel like you probably don't, we'll see. Well, but I'm going to ask it. I wonder what like the fixed cost to income ratio of most households was like in the 1930s. Yeah, because now if you give people a bunch of money, like many people, I mean, you have your your rent or your mortgage that you Mm -hmm. pay, but people, most people now also have car payments. They have cable bills. They have Internet to pay. They have phone bills. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people all have like hot water tanks now in their houses. So they have to pay (laughs) for like natural gas. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how much close like if you give people money now, people pretty much spend that money. If they lose their job, that money goes to just paying all of their fixed costs. And yeah. Like, and then you go and buy you go and buy food, and then m- many people in the United States and in Canada are living pretty close to basically how much money they spend is how much money they make. Um, and so I wonder how close that ratio was in the 1930s that people could like were they taking. 50% of the money that they were getting and putting it in their walls and not spending it? Or would they also only have like 5% extra that they could have chosen to go spend, but they kept it? And I wonder how much that would impact the math that the uh, government was doing to try to decide, okay, if we put this much money out, now people know, okay, we're definitely going to get at least this much back because of all the fixed costs. Yeah. Debt maintenance, fixed costs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that I'm, sh- I'm, I, I don't know, but I would believe it is low. I, I would believe the require sort of sense of what are required fixed costs are were lower. Um, but then mm-hmm. I'm sure it, it varies widely over the yeah, like economic situation and and you know the intersectionality of your life experience. Mm-hmm. So your everybody's situation would be different. So I I, I don't know how to. I'm not an economist, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, <laughs> to speculate on but that. Anybody who has that answer, please yeah. tweet at probpolitics or send us an email at probpolitics at gmail.com and let us know whether or not that household expenditure to income ratio was different in the 1930s or the same as it is now or higher. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I think it's also important to note in that that even fixed, like, even in a situation where you have fixed costs, it doesn't mean that you are behaving rationally, I suppose. Like, uh, like this was, I, I can only imagine, you know, if you are, are stuck in, in, in the Hoover camps or, and that sort of thing, you're, you're rational. You're not necessarily making what in the economic sense of rational uh, choices with your money necessarily. Okay. So we learned probably a lot of lessons from this and what worked and what didn't work and to end a recession in 2020 ideally you wouldn't just launch you know 
uh, a campaign into the greatest and largest scale war in the history of humankind. Um, and so what are the alternatives that a government <laughs> may uh, impose? And like, how do we deal with these things now? And how is it different? And how is it the same to what FDR did back in the day? Yeah. So like, I think a lot of the problems that they had then, like, I don't, it may not be surprising to the listener, we still have like, in the 2008 economic recession, in terms of, again, this is largely in the context of the US, but it, it applies uh, somewhat globally. Um, there was a, a willingness to only go so far with spending the money they would need to actually help everybody true to help create a true recovery to help create true reform there was only willingness to go so far with it um i think this is sort of i'm sure this exists but my a theory i would have about it and i'm sure this is a more like exists as a more real theory somewhere is the thing is once it starts to work you kind of want to you know take your foot off the gas and you're like okay that's enough and like things are good and then we'll, let's go back to doing what we were doing before uh but a lot of the a lot of the time is you got to keep spending and you again like you said we don't really want to do world war 3 to in order to actually recover mm. and you see it post new deal like in uh post world war 2 people are pretty on board with the idea of uh in the US with a high and and globally of a high social security lots of government spending lots of government involvement things are booming globally really uh in a lot of countries and then sort of in the 1970s uh opinion about uh, this sort of keynesian economics this approach of big government spending turns because things are going pretty well why do we have to keep spending all this money and in theory a lot of the, some of this money again we don't necessarily have it's 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 uh, going over budget um, so there, there's a lot of reasons to feel that we shouldn't spend that money. But the uh, tendency to not go far enough, I guess, to sort of make sure that everybody can recover, I think ultimately creates holes in the pro holes and problems in the future recovery. And like in getting that third R of reform of like not allowing this to happen again to truly actually happen. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, to be fair to the New Deal, like post the depression there there had been uh, 60 of 132 years in the US that were impacted by recession and then and and post world war 2 uh, i think only 10 out of 60 years sort of were impacted in in sort of the document i was reading about it so it it did oh, wow. sort of level level things out a little bit but but there's not you have to kind of keep going with this mindset you can't sort of the idea that you only bought halfway in, I guess, is a, is a problem that I think we've seen. I don't know if you've, you agree, but I think we see that in other like other election issues that we've covered in other elections is that you only went halfway. This is it's, it kind of it, it's shooting yourself in the foot, because really, if I, I mean, I think this is this is probably about politics lessons for life <laughs> in that a lot of things don't work unless you commit to them fully for a sustained period of time and you don't sabotage yourself by actually trying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so in things like this, then even it's especially bad when you try really hard, but not all the way and you don't fully commit. So then it's like, you know, if you're trying to uh, slide on your skateboard for the first time, you have to go above a certain speed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you don't fully commit, but you commit a little bit and you go pretty fast, but not quite fast enough, then that 
outcomes are way worse than if you hadn't gone a little bit fast at all. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so uh, we see this time and time again in government spending where the outcomes end up being bad because not enough money was spent, but some money was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, this can get into like sunk costs of whether or not things are actually bad to quit if it's going to end up costing more money to keep going Mm -hmm. and it's already then you should just cut your losses from what you've already done and change past onto something new but those decisions are super hard to make because you're not working with perfect information like looking back you can say oh if they'd spent this exact much money now that we've seen the outcomes of how it worked for 20 years later Mm -hmm. that's pretty easy to do now but even not perfect because you can't actually run that experiment but at the time how do you even make that choice i mean we have better information now but things still go bad (laughs) yeah and so yeah and i think that's that's the thing is it's it's hard to it's it is hard to know and hard to to commit to these things and so when we start to look at um uh economic recovery uh that we're currently uh thinking starting to think about with regards to uh covid uh 19 uh, uh the, in the moment that we're currently in um what does what does that look like it feel it's uh it feels like maybe spending uh billions and billions of dollars is is scary and it seems like a lot of money to be pouring in and like the will that really help or will that make things worse uh and then but we kind of have you do have a like lessons that we can learn from history but yeah, like you said, we, mm-hmm. it's in, it's impossible to really know. But I think that's also, and it's 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 also makes it hard to make these proposals. I think I sort of feel like we should do a separate sort of episode on the Green New Deal. But ultimately, that is a huge piece of legislation that requires, uh, and 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 similar ideas exist in other countries that requires billions and billions and billions of dollars, sort of upfront, in in investment for the uh, to, to to restart um and and that's uh you can't hedge your bets on it yeah you just got to go for it yeah you got to go for it all the way or else all the people who work in the automotive industry and coal plants mm-hmm. end up losing their jobs and you don't spend enough money to give them other jobs and so the whole thing fails yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's uh it, it is like a it does end up being i think you see like for for a lot of people in power who are often more wealthy and and uh you know not in in the situations of these vulnerable places of employment um the this risk can seem like you know too great of a risk to them but it's the only risk that takes everybody with uh with you i guess well said and i think that's a good place to end uh and now uh a word from our unofficial channel sponsor from this episode i guess from nike just do it if you want to spend the money you just got to go for it and actually do the thing yeah and uh in all other and all other aspects of your life just commit just actually really try and uh maybe if you don't try enough you'll get really really hurt uh but maybe <laughs> it'll work better than you would have thought yeah <laughs> that was pretty interesting <laughs> Thank you for listening to Probably About Politics explains a certain period in time, which should be landmark legislation, but is actually generally many pieces of legislation over a five to 10 year period. If you have legislation that you'd like to see covered, make sure to send us a tweet at probpolitics on Twitter or uh, send us a DM or comment on something on our Instagram at probpolitics or send us an email at probablyaboutpolitics at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and of course, we we love you. We love you all. Stay safe. Uh, See you next time on Probably Real Politics.